0: Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: Well, we, we serve such a great God. We are so glad that you're with us today here at Sugarloaf, at at 12 Stone Live, across the campuses. We're glad that you're with us wherever you are, if you're a part of a 12 Stone home, which is all over the place, and of course, online. Listen, let me just say this to everyone here, everyone at, at 12 Stone Live, everyone listening. God is gonna mark you today if you will give him your full attention. He will, wherever you are, he will mark you today. But you've got to give him your full attention. We're in this series in this July in the book of Acts. It's like snapshots, five snapshots in the book of Acts that are really our formation. It's the early church. It's the move of God to wake us up to who we were created to be. And so it's sort of like what well, we're calling a family album, if you will, because we've got snapshots of pictures for all of us that are that are marking. Now, I can't say that without showing a little snapshot of our family having a a picture here. We just got back from the Grand Canyon, so check this out. This This is my effort to take a video. Just go with this. It's not professional. But this is the Grand Canyon. Uh, Marsha, myself, Jake, our 26-year-old, Jaden, we went there. This is a little bit of Jaden's uh, high school graduation celebration. This is my 60th birthday. I, this is from a helicopter, okay? I've, I've always wanted to fly a helicopter. I wasn't piloting, mind you. Fly a helicopter over the Grand Canyon. It's a mile up. You're looking down on Colorado River. It's gorgeous. The beauty of God's creation. And we took more pictures than we can put in a family album. And really, the Book of Acts is more pictures than you can put in a series, but it is marking. See, God would remind you that he has a Grand Canyon-sized call upon your life. Can you breathe that in? Wherever you're gathering, Can you breathe that in? Some of you are spiritually unresolved. Listen, you were designed for eternity. God has you in this moment, in this teaching for a reason. If you walk with God, you are designed to be engaged in eternal things. Don't live small. Don't live selfish. Rise up to the Grand Canyon-sized vision that God designed for us. So today, we're in the third snapshot, and this is going to be profound. So while I'm on vacation, hanging out, enjoying, having a great time, not thinking of you at all, but praying for you every morning. (laughs) Know my sincerity in that. Pastor Steve Walton has been preparing and praying, and God has put a message on him for us. Come on up here, Steve. Everybody give it up. And from our... uh, Buford Campus. Come on, brother. so glad. Listen, let me just pray over Steve, and then let's jump in. Heavenly Father, let your anointing rest on Pastor Steve. I already know you have put things in him for today's teaching for us. So God, would you help us give you our full attention? Sit up and lean forward and listen to your voice. And God, would you mark us today with a snapshot from Acts? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, VK. Hey, so
2: the question for today is a really big one, and uh, it's a question that you've, you've probably never asked out loud, but it's one that you've thought about before. The question is this. Uh, why does my life feel so ordinary? Why does my life feel so ordinary? Again, you've probably never phrased it this way to, like, your coworkers or your spouse, but chances are, you know, as you're going through your normal routine, you've, you've kind of thought something like this. Man, life just feels so so typical, so average, so, so ordinary. Um, our family feels this. My wife and I feel this. Actually, just the other day, Catherine looked at me and she said, you know, life is just one big to-do list. Isn't that encouraging, right? Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Yeah, it's like life is one, but it feels that way, doesn't it? You know, you're trying to get the kids ready, trying to do all the stuff, and it just feels like a big to-do list. It feels average. It feels, it feels kind of ordinary. And again, social media doesn't make this any easier, does it? Right? You see you see their vacation pictures and videos on Facebook and on Instagram and you see them at Disney and they all have matching shirts and everything looks so magical, you know. You see them at the beach, right? And they all have the white shirts and the khaki pants and you're in your living room eating Doritos and you're like you're like life just feels it feels so so ordinary, right? And then, and then in marriage, too, you know, you're trying to get things done. You got the grocery list, and you got the kids, and sometimes it feels like two ships passing in the night. And then with your kids, you know, it's another day at the ball field, and it's, you know, can you help me with my homework? And it's, we got to do the back-to-school shopping. It just feels ordinary at work. It's, it's, a, it's a meeting, and then it's a meeting to talk about the meeting, you know, and then it's a meeting to catch everyone up on what you missed in the last meeting, And it's another Zoom call and another Zoom call. And you're like, when are we going to be done with Zoom calls? It's like everything just feels so ordinary. And the alarm clock goes off. And it's like Groundhog Day all over again. And then, and then you know this, your kids, they ask you this question. Maybe your husband asks you this question. It's the same question every single night. What's for dinner? And you're like, I've prepared 7,000 dinners. You know, it's like, I don't want to answer that question again. Because life just feels, it just feels really Ordinary, really typical, and when you compare it to everyone else that seems to have these extraordinary moments for you, it just feels feels ordinary. Uh, it's like this. This is a this is an ordinary picture of my wife and I. This is this is taken a few years ago, and um, this is not a picture that you would put on Instagram. Okay, and again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just nothing really special about it. You know, the lighting the lighting isn't quite right, and it's a little grainy, and the and the background is a parking lot, you know? It's like that's not what you put, that's not what you put on Instagram. It just looks like an ordinary picture. But here's what you don't know. What you don't know is that right after this picture was taken, Catherine told me that she was pregnant with our first. So this is the very first picture of our growing family. So even though it looks ordinary to everyone else, for me, this picture is incredibly meaningful. And Catherine even knew it too. You can see, look at how big she's smiling. She knows, right? Like she knows because she could see something that I couldn't see because she knew something that I didn't know. I saw it as ordinary, but she knew that this was especially meaningful. So, so what if that's it, right? Like what if there are these incredibly meaningful moments right in front of us and we're just missing them? Like, what if the moments that we're jealous of that others seem to have are just hiding in plain sight? And that's what we're talking about today. See, because if you're like me and you, you've been reading the book of Acts, chances are that, you know, you're looking at these and this kind of looks like, this looks like the highlight reel of the church, right? This is like if the early church had an Instagram page, it would be the book of Acts, right? It's these incredible stories. It's it's Peter standing up and he preaches and 3,000 people get baptized that day. And all the disciples are speaking in other languages. It's incredible. And then you got the story of Saul literally getting knocked off his horse by the person of Jesus, so radiant, so bright that he blinds Paul and then scales fall from his eyes. It's like, this is an amazing, incredible story. And it's like the highlight reel. And if you're anything like me, sometimes you can read these stories and you're like, look, that's good. But what about Like, I want to read the stories about the everyday. I want to read the stories like Tuesday morning. You know, I want to read the stories like it's another day at work. I want to read this. Like, I want to see what the early church did with the ordinary. And if you've ever thought that, then you're going to you're going to love today, because today we're going to look at a story that is really ordinary. It starts off mundane. But then when Jesus gets a hold of it, everything changes. So here's the story. It's in Acts chapter 3. Uh, Acts chapter 3, here's how it starts. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. That's the first verse, and that is also the most boring verse in all of Scripture. Right? It's like, it's, here's cliff notes. Two dudes do what they always did. It's like they just, by the way, 3 p.m., is there a more boring time? Like, that is the most boring time. Okay, so first verse, really ordinary. It says, Now a man who was lame from birth And lame, not meaning like he wasn't cool. It means he couldn't walk, okay? He's probably a cool guy. So lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now, this is also pretty ordinary, right? I mean, you've seen this before. Someone who's kind of down on their luck, and they reach out, and they ask you for some money. Um, If you live in the downtown area, you probably see this. All the time, when my wife and I, when we lived in downtown Atlanta every day, coming home from work, this is what we would see. And this is also pretty ordinary for them as well, because it says this guy was placed at the exact same spot every single day. Later on in Acts chapter 4, we find out that this guy was actually uh, 40 years old, which means for decades he was placed in the same spot. Every day, which means every day when people went to the temple during the time of prayer, which is what people did every day, same time, they would always pass by this guy. They knew this guy. And then here's what happened next. Peter, in this ordinary moment that everyone else just overlooked, Peter, in the middle of this like just mundane, it's like this is what we do. We're doing what we always did. Peter did something different. Peter looked straight at him as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. Uh, Which is how you know that Peter was a pastor. Okay, he's like, I don't have any money. I'm sorry. Okay, (laughs) silver or gold. And you've said that before too. You're like, sorry, I don't have any money. Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And then here's what happens next. Next verse taking him by the right hand he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong he jumped to his feet and began to walk. By the way, I don't know if you know this. The guy that wrote this was a a doctor. His name was Luke. And I love how Dr. Luke includes these details, right? It's not just, hey, the guy was healed. It's like Dr. Luke puts an x-ray and he's like his feet and his ankles, they became strong. And he didn't like limp up to his feet. He jumped up to his feet. He began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And this is the first miracle of the early church. And do you know what made this miracle so extraordinary? It's how ordinary the scene was. I mean, think about it. This is the time of day when everyone went to pray. And this is a guy that everyone knew, right? They'd seen this guy every day for decades. They may have even known his name. It's like, oh, there's Joe again. Like Joe's always here. He's always here. And this is always when we go to the temple. But that's what made this miracle so extraordinary. Because this was the time of day when everyone went to pray, there were so many eyewitnesses that saw this miracle. And because this was the guy that everyone knew, then this miracle was undeniable. I mean, chances are when they saw him like leaping and jumping, they're looking at him they're like, wait a second, that's Joe. Like Joe normally stands outside. Normally we try not to look at him. You know, Normally we try not to give him anything. But that's Joe. He's jumping and praising God. He's not supposed to jump. Joe was lame from birth. So how on earth is Joe doing this? Everyone knew him. It was so undeniable. And everyone saw it. There were so many eyewitnesses. So as you can imagine, this was causing quite a stir. And so all the people that were normally gathered during the time of prayer, they saw this happen and they started crowding around going, Joe, how'd you get healed? Joe, who healed you? And then they look and they see Peter. They start crowding around Peter and they're like, Peter, you're a miracle worker. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it, Peter. This is amazing. And we all saw it and we all know Joe and Joe's not supposed to walk, but now he's walking because of you. And they start crowding around and I want you to see how Peter responds. This is so good. Peter responds. When Peter saw this, He said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Which for me, I'm like, Peter, come on. Why does this surprise you? Because the guy's been lame from birth. He's 40 years old and he's jumping. Why do you think this surprises us? You know, But this is what Peter was getting at. He says, why do you stare at us? At us. As if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. In other words, this, Peter's saying, this shouldn't surprise you. Because this isn't about me. And he goes on, and here's how he wraps up the conversation. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus. Not Peter, not John, Jesus. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus name not my name it was Jesus name and the faith that comes through him that is Jesus that has completely healed him as you can all see because you can all see it because you're all gathered here for the time of prayer because this is just an ordinary moment but you just saw God do something incredible and it's not because of me it's all because of Jesus Jesus took this moment that was so ordinary and he flipped it on its head and everyone knew about it in fact this was so incredible as Peter starts talking to the guys that thousands of people, literally thousands of people, put their faith in Jesus because of this miracle. Now, if you know anything about the political or religious landscape of the time, you know that thousands of people putting their faith in Jesus um, was not a good thing, according to the Jewish authorities. Okay, They didn't like this. This was causing quite a scene, all right? Because now this guy, Joe, that they're you know, used to seeing outside of the temple gate, now Joe is jumping up, walking around saying, Jesus healed him. But that can't be possible because we already crucified Jesus. And now they're saying he rose from the dead. And now this guy is walking. And so what on earth is going on? And now thousands of people that had put their faith in something else are now putting their faith in Jesus. And so all the religious leaders are like, we got to do something about this. So they bring Peter and John in front of all of the religious leaders. And you got to get this. This is like a, um, they had, uh, they called it the Sanhedrin. And this was like the, like the Jewish Supreme Court. This is like the spiritual Supreme Court. Okay. So they bring Peter and John and they're like, you guys are causing a ruckus. There's thousands of people out in the street. They're all saying Jesus, but it can't be Jesus. So what on earth is going on? And so they try to, they try to push Peter into a corner, you know, and it's like, you know, no one puts baby in the corner, you know, and Peter, Peter like immediately reacts. And he does what he always does. When you try to push Peter into a corner, he starts talking about one name because he can't help himself. And so they start asking for an explanation. And I'm sure Peter looked at John like, well, they asked for it. And so they start launching into another sermon where Peter starts talking about Jesus. And here's how he wraps it up. He says, salvation is found in no one else. It's not in me. It's not in Joe. It's not in John. It's not in anyone else. It's Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. In other words, the guy who healed Joe is the same guy that has healed me. It's the same guy that can heal you. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And all the religious leaders, they wanted so badly to attack Peter and John. They wanted so badly to say something, but they couldn't. And do you know why they couldn't? Look at this. It's because since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Right? It's like it's, it's, it's hard to argue when the guy who is healed is standing You know, like I try to imagine that they invite Peter and John into the spiritual Supreme Court, and and then they bring Joe along as well. And they're like, Joe, would you like to take a seat? And he's like, no, I've been sitting for a while. (laughs) You know, I think think I'm going to stand. I got two legs. Uh, I stand, I walk, and I jump. I don't really sit anymore. You know, it's like this is what I do. And then, I mean, imagine being Peter and John right? I mean, you, you just got to get in the story. Imagine and Peter and John, like for you, when you came to church this morning, did you think you were going to meet a beggar and then heal a beggar and then talk to a bunch of people about Jesus and then have thousands of people come to faith in Jesus and then got, get brought in front of the religious Supreme Court and then talk some more about Jesus? No, of course not. You were thinking about what you were going to have for lunch today. You know, it's like, that's what Peter and John, Peter and John did not set out to go do this. It's not like this was a mission trip that they had planned, like, let's go see Joe in front of the temple. No, they didn't plan that. This wasn't some elaborate plan. Instead, this was an ordinary moment that Jesus took, and he turned it around. See, in the middle of this ordinary moment, Peter and John saw something no one else could see. Everyone else saw ordinary. Peter and John saw opportunity. Everyone else saw predictability, but Peter and John saw saw possibility. And when everyone else saw boring, Peter and John saw a breakthrough. Because when everyone else went to go get a spiritual moment in the temple, Peter and John saw a spiritual moment out there on the street. Because with Jesus, there are no ordinary moments. With Jesus, there are no ordinary moments. There's no such thing as just going to the ball field. There's no such thing as just going to work. There's no such thing as just coming home. There's no such thing as just going to the pool. Because with Jesus, there are no ordinary moments. So then let's be honest and say, well, then why for me does it still feel like there are ordinary moments? And I think it's because for us, we've divided up life into two different buckets. It's like, it's like we have two photo albums. Like we have the spiritual photo album and then we have the ordinary photo album. And the spiritual photo album is like our Instagram page and the ordinary is like the photos on our phone, right? Like this is, this is my uh, Instagram right here. Um, you can follow me, Steve underscore Walton. Uh, I'm just kidding, don't do that. Um, no, this is, this is where I post my highlights, right? This is where I post, like, you know, special things we do with our kids and, you know, vacations. And it's where we post the birth of our kid. You know, it's like this is what we put on Instagram. This is the highlight reel. And for a lot of us, we have this, like, spiritual highlight reel. We have this spiritual Instagram page. Like, this is where God shows up, you know? Like, God shows up when I hop on a plane, I go on a mission trip halfway around the world and tell people about Jesus. That's when God shows up, you know? Or it's like when you were a kid, it's like God showed up when I went to camp and when I went away. And it's like right there, man, it felt so emotional. And that's where God showed up. Or maybe for you, it's like, well, God showed up when I went to church and I got baptized. And I'll never forget that day I got baptized because that's when God showed up. That was a spiritual moment. Or maybe maybe it's like, you know, you go to church and then you hear a song that you heard on the radio like the night before and that's like your song and then they played it at church and you're like Jesus, you know, it's like that's the spiritual moment. And so that's like our spiritual Instagram page. And then these are the moments we wait for but then we've just got like all of our other photos, right? These are all the photos on my phone. I've got almost 15,000 because I don't delete pictures apparently. And so I got all the and they're just the blurry pictures. They're just the ordinary pictures. There's the 12 copies of the same picture because I was hoping one of my kids would smile. You know, it's like, these are just ordinary, you know? And it's like, these aren't the pictures I post on Instagram. And for us, this is like our life. This is where we spend the majority of our time. This is like brushing my teeth and mowing the grass and going to the pool, and going to work, and it's another meeting, and it's, you know, my kids asking for help with their homework. It's like, these are just the ordinary moments. And we sit here in these ordinary moments, and we keep waiting. We're like, maybe soon I can have one of those like Instagram worthy spiritual moments, these spiritual highs that we keep longing for. But instead, I'm kind of back here and it's just like me and my spouse or me and my kids. It's just me and my family. It's another day at the ball field. But maybe, and you start thinking this, right? Maybe, um, maybe if I just went on a mission trip then that's when God would show up. You know, if I hop on a plane, I go halfway around the world, then God would show up, you know, or it's like if they, if they would just like play that song at church, or if they would just teach that message at church, then like that's when God would show up. And so we live with these two categories of ordinary and spiritual. But what if like, what if, what if we've got it wrong? Like what if in God's eyes, there's only one photo album and it's all spiritual. And every moment is just, it's, it's, it's pregnant with possibility. Like every moment is an opportunity for, for God to show up. What if, it's, what if it's not waiting for God to show up? What if God is actually waiting for us? Like what if instead of hopping on a plane to go tell someone about Jesus, what if we just hopped across the street to go tell someone about Jesus? What if instead of trying to create some new routine, we just invited God into our everyday routine? See, God's not asking you to go out of your way. God's already putting people in your way, in your everyday moments. Because with Jesus, there are no ordinary moments. There are no ordinary moments. It's like I was talking to a a friend of mine named Brian, and he Brian's in a small group and one day he invited this new guy into the small group and so we asked how Brian and this guy knew each other and Brian said well um, I bought a kayak off this guy and so we're thinking like oh they're friends and they both like kayaking and maybe he had like an old kayak he didn't use and so he gave it to his friend Brian and he said oh no this guy was selling a kayak on Facebook marketplace and I bought it from him and that's why he's here And we're like, okay, I gotta hear the story, you know? And so, and so Brian tells us, he goes, well, you know, I was looking for a kayak, found one on Facebook Marketplace. And so I went over to the guy's house and he's kind of giving me the lay of the land and he shows me the kayak and he starts talking about life. And he says, well, you know, it's in the middle of COVID. He's like, well, COVID's been kind of rough on us, on me and my wife, and it's been tough for us financially, you know? So we're just trying to, we're trying to just sell some stuff, make a little bit of extra money. And most people would have seen this moment as an ordinary moment you know, and uh, they just would have walked by. But, but Brian knew that with Jesus, there are no ordinary moments. And so, so in this moment, Brian, um, Brian started getting vulnerable. And he said, yeah, COVID has been tough. It's actually been tough for my wife and I as well. And you know, what's gotten me through COVID is, uh, is Jesus. Like, I don't know what I would do without, without Jesus. And he starts telling this guy about about Jesus and what a difference Jesus has made for him. And then he extends an invitation and he goes, Hey, actually, we've got a bunch of us that meet together for a small group on, on Tuesday night. Would you be interested in joining us? We talk a lot about this stuff. And the guy says, yes. And so this guy joins a small group because Brian bought a kayak from him. I mean, you see, do you see how ordinary this moment is? And Jesus just flipped it and the story gets better, actually. So, so anyways, Mr. Kayak, that's what I'm going to call him. Mr. Kayak joins the small group, and he starts getting vulnerable and honest with his small group, and these men start rallying around him. And at one point, he says, hey, actually, because of COVID, man, I've kind of slipped into this addiction to alcohol, and I know that it's bad, and I know that I shouldn't do it, but I just need some help. And so these guys just lift him up in prayer. They start sharing scripture with him. They start holding him accountable. And I talked to Brian, and I said, hey, fill me in on Mr. Kayak. What's the latest? And he goes, well, he's four months sober. Isn't that amazing? Because, because listen, with Jesus, there are no ordinary moments. I mean, don't underestimate what Jesus might do with what we call ordinary. Because with him, there's no such thing as ordinary moments. Okay, so I want to get real practical. Like, how do we do that? Like, how do we live more like, more like Brian, more like Peter, more like John? Like, how do we live in the moment where we recognize that, man, with Jesus, there are no ordinary moments? And I think there's, there's three things that we can do, um, and it follows this, this, this kind of progression. The first one is spend time with Jesus, and then it's be interruptible, and then it's pray a really dangerous prayer that I'm going to teach you at the end. And so the first one is spend time with Jesus. Did you notice that when Peter and John healed this guy, and when Peter and John were surrounded by all these other people that saw the miracle, and when Peter and John were brought in front of the spiritual supreme court, that there was one name they kept saying? They just kept talking about Jesus. They couldn't help themselves. They kept saying, Jesus this and Jesus that. Peter and John showed up, ready to go to the temple, having already spent time with Jesus. So for them, it was a knee-jerk reaction. So for us, man, I'm telling you, this is the first thing. We got to spend time, we got to spend time with Jesus. And I know that maybe for some of you you hear Brian's story and you see the story in Acts chapter three and four, and you're like, but I could never do that. Like I could never, you know, buy a kayak from someone and start talking about Jesus, you know, and I could, you know, I like, I don't know the right words to say. I can't be like Peter, you know, preaching a sermon, you know, it's like, it's like, and if they knew about me, you know, if they knew about my, my like family and they knew that I don't have it all together and I don't have a clean track record and I'm not perfect and I didn't go to Bible college, you know, then, then I can't do what the, Those guys did. But I'm telling you the difference. The difference is spending time with Jesus. In fact, there's a verse from this story. It's one of my favorite verses, and I skipped over it, but I wanna go back to it. This is one of my favorite verses. It's Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, and we'll talk about that in a second, ordinary, that's the word, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It says they were unschooled, meaning they didn't go to Bible college, they didn't have a seminary degree, they didn't teach Sunday school, they didn't know all the answers, they didn't know it all. And not only that, they were ordinary. There wasn't anything special about them. It's not like they had this like unique charisma. And it's not like they had a perfectly clean track record. If you know anything about Peter, you know this, right? He had a past as well. It's not like he was squeaky clean. He was an ordinary person. And as they're brought in front of this spiritual Supreme Court, all these guys that know more scripture than they probably did, all these guys that their whole life was devoted to all things spiritual, it says they were astonished. And they were astonished for one reason. These men had been with Jesus. What astonishes the religious leaders, what will astonish your neighbors, what will astonish your coworkers is one thing, and it's not that you have to have all the answers, and it's not that you have to have it all together, it's have you spent time with Jesus? That's the difference maker. And so maybe, maybe for you, it's as simple as like later today. You're just like, all right, it's just going to be me and Jesus. I'm going to carve out five, 10 minutes and spend time with Jesus. Maybe it's tomorrow morning. Maybe it's a commitment that, you know what, I'm going to set my alarm ten minutes early, and I'm just going to go, and I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Because when you spend time with Jesus, all of a sudden, you're not on your agenda anymore. You're on his agenda. And when it's no longer about you, and life is no longer about you, and you're no longer out for, you know, what does it mean for me? You start looking outward, and that allows you to do the next thing, which is to be interruptible. Because when you spend time with Jesus, you're on his agenda, and so you are interruptible at all times. You're always waiting like, all right, God, what are you doing next? I got my agenda for the day. I got my things I'm going after for today. But maybe, God, there's something that you're doing here. So I want to be interruptible. I want to change my plans in a moment's notice. Because a lot of times we expect God to show up when we arrive. You know, it's like when, when, when we arrive at the, you know, it, like in the country on a mission trip, when we arrive at camp, when we arrive at church, that's where God shows up. But I love this story because the guy wasn't healed at Peter and John's house. And the guy wasn't healed when he was at the temple. The guy was healed as Peter and John were on their way to the temple. I think it's the in-between moments that God loves to use. It's these in-between moments, these throwaway moments, these ordinary moments, these blurry pictures in our phone that I think God loves to use. He loves to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary in these in-between moments. But what Peter and John had to do is they had to be interruptible because what were they planning on doing? You plan on going to church. And I mean, what's more spiritual than that, right? You got to go to church. But in this moment, as they're on their way to church, they are interrupted. They're going, God, you're doing something. You're doing something here. And so we got to be interruptible. And this is, this is part of what my wife and I do is we're parenting our kids. We try to be um, interruptible. I know that for a lot of families, you do like a family devotion with your kids, which is really good. A lot of you do that maybe maybe uh, once a week. You extra spiritual people, uh, uh, people, you do it every day, which kudos to you. Um, I'll admit, uh, this is a safe space confession, my wife and I, we don't do family devotions. So don't, don't disqualify me yet. Okay, we don't do family devotions, but what we do is what I call devotional moments, which is as we're going through our day, as we're talking with our boys, we look for the moments where we feel like Maybe God wants to use this ordinary moment. Maybe He wants to turn it. Maybe there's something He wants to say to Judah or to Anchor. And so we had a moment like this recently. Um, Judah was in timeout, and I went to go get him from timeout, and he was crying. And so I asked him. I go, I go, Hey, bud, why are you crying? And he says, Well, I, I just felt so alone in timeout. And so I'm like, Alone? You know. And this is what I started thinking. I was like, Alone, dude. You've been in there for two minutes. You know. And like, you could, (laughs) like. You could hear mom and dad. We were in the other room. What do you mean alone? It's like, dude, we're not. Come on. We didn't lock you in a closet. It's like we were right. We were right there. You know, and that's what I started to say. Like, I almost kind of launched into this whole thing of like, dude, you could hear us. Come on, man. And then in this moment, it felt like God wanted to interrupt and wanted to say something else to Judah. And what he wanted to say to Judah was, hey, Judah, you're you're never alone. Because God is always with you, even in time out. And so. I had my plan, and then I said, "Okay, maybe I'll try that." God, that seems like a good, a good thing to say. And so I told him, I said, "Hey, buddy, um, I'm I'm sorry you felt that way. You know that, you know that you're never really alone because God is always with you, like, even in timeout." And so then he got up from timeout, and then a few months later, Judah was in timeout, and uh, which is a popular place for our kids. <laughs> they. That's like, you can find him on the steps in timeout every, you know. Anyway, so, so, so I'm going to get Judah from timeout, and he is like grinning from ear to ear. And if you're a parent, you're like, uh-oh, what happened? You know, it's like, where's the hole in the wall? Where's your brother? You know, it's like trying to figure out. And so he's, he's, he's grinning from ear to ear. And so I had to ask. I was like, all right, buddy, why are you smiling? And he said, well, because God was with me the whole time. And I'm telling you, don't underestimate what God will do with what we call ordinary. And this happens at work and this happens at home in these in-between throwaway moments. You never know what God might do with what we call ordinary. And so when you spend time with Jesus... And then, you're, and then you're on his agenda, not, not your own agenda. So that allows you to be interruptible. And then finally, there's a prayer that I think is a really dangerous prayer. This is a prayer I would not pray unless you actually want God to answer it. And it's a prayer that I'll only pray if you've spent time with Jesus, and then you're on his agenda and you're interruptible. And the prayer is this. The prayer is, God, who do you want me to bless today? God, who do you want me to bless today. By the way, this was um, a friend of mine, David Grant, who's 12 stone home pastor taught me this prayer. God, who do you want me to bless today? And this is not just a prayer that I pray in the morning. This is a prayer I, I, I try to pray. I don't always get this right, but I try to pray it throughout the day. I try to, um, as I'm going places, I'm like, all right, God, is it him? You know, is it her? Is it them? Is it now? Like, God, who do you want me? Who do you want me to bless today? And so I had a moment just a few days ago where I was helping a buddy of mine move. And we had a bunch of people from church that were helping him move, and and so we're there, and then I uh, and then there's there's these two guys that he hired to help um, to help him move, and so the two guys are there, and they're man they are working so hard, and we end up unloading the truck in about an hour and a half, which is great, and so we're all just like dead, tired, exhausted. And in my mind, I'm like, this is great. What a picture of the church, right? Here's the church coming together, helping each other out. Like that's a beautiful picture of the church. And so I'm thinking like, man, this is great. And then one of the, one of the guys that he hired, a guy that we'd never met before, he starts like opening up and starts talking and he starts, starts saying, well, you know, my dad was kind of a deadbeat. He says, but he, you know, he passed away. I don't know why but I thought about this the other day. He passed away seven years ago. And he says, yeah. And my and my mom passed away like five years ago. And actually, my daughter passed away three years ago. And it was like right towards the end of the move. And he, literally, he said, passed away three years ago. Well, anyways, I'm going to head out. And he starts like leaving. And I was like frozen because I'm like, okay, God, is this the moment? Like, is, is this who you want me to bless say? And all of you were like, yes. You know, but for me in the moment, I was like, God, I don't know. So the guy starts walking and he gets to his car and I'm literally frozen. And then I start thinking, dude, you are preaching a sermon on Sunday about being interruptible. Go get him, you know? And so I, I like run over to the truck and I'm like, hey, and I, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, hey, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry for your loss. I'm sorry about your daughter. And thank you for being honest. Thanks for being vulnerable to, to tell complete strangers that. And so we start talking about life, and then, and then the guy looks at me he says, you know, we've been to a lot of moves. I've never seen that many guys show up to help someone move. And I said, yeah, actually, that's our, that's our church, because um, we all believe in Jesus. And so we just kind of help each other out, and we start talking about church. And by the end of it, I actually got to, got to pray with this guy. And I'm telling you, I almost missed it. I almost missed it. And maybe if it wasn't for this sermon, I might have missed it. But I think God wanted to take an ordinary moment and do something special. And what would it look like for you if on your way to the next meeting, instead of just instead of just thinking about the agenda and thinking about the topics that you got to cover, what if you thought about the people in the room and you started praying, God, who do you want me to bless today? Is it him? Is it her? Is it them? What if when you're getting together with the other neighborhood moms, what if instead of just getting together, you thought, wait a second, I have an opportunity here. God, maybe you want to bless them. What if when you go to third period science, it's not just what am I going to learn today, but who am I going to bless today? God, who do you want me to bless today? God, I want to get on your agenda, not my agenda. And I'm telling you, be careful. Be careful about praying this, because I think God loves to answer this question, because he loves to take moments that we would call ordinary and flip them, because with him, there are no ordinary moments. So at home, at work, when you're with your kids, when you're in the neighborhood, when you're with friends, these aren't throwaway moments. These aren't just blurry pictures. These are moments that I think God loves to use. So don't underestimate what Jesus might do with what we call ordinary. Because with Jesus, there are no ordinary moments. You know, after Peter and John healed this beggar, A lot of biblical scholars estimate that 10% of the city of Jerusalem turned to Jesus. 10%. An entire community was transformed because of Jesus and because of two people on their way that were interrupted and said, God, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. God, I trust you. So if that's what God could do with two people, what could he do with this church? Can you imagine if just, if just like 5% of our church did this? If this week we spent time with Jesus, we were interruptible, we were going, God, whatever you want to do, I'm in for. And then we started praying, God, who do you want me to bless today? Is it him? Is it her? Is it them? God, is it now? Whatever you want to do, God, I'm in. Can you imagine the difference that would be made in our community? Can you imagine how that might transform this community? If we looked at every moment as spiritual. If we looked at every moment and we said, you know what? With Jesus, there are no ordinary moments. And maybe this is the moment that God wants to use to transform that person's life. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite up the campus pastors to come pray over you. And so at 12 Stone Home, Jeremy and Morgan are going to pray over you. Campus pastors are going to come pray. And I would love for you to pray a prayer of commissioning over your people praying that this week would be different. This week wouldn't be ordinary. This week our eyes would be open to see what we normally would miss, to see that God is involved in every detail of every moment, that we would spend time with Jesus, that we would be interruptible, and we say, God, who do you want me to bless today?